everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee's Wildcast. Uh, as you can see, our office is a little bit different today. We're on the plateau, and we're here with Mimi Barnes, our Region 3 I&E coordinator, and we're happy to have her. Doug, what do you think about our new office out here? Uh, I think we're with her. She's not with us. Well, that's, that's, that's true. Is that what you were saying? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Mimi, we thank you for letting us be out here in your, in your space today, and we're looking forward to this edition of Tennessee's Wildcast. So. My pleasure. Happy to be here. you got a beautiful place out here. Tell us about your, your place out here and, and just a little bit about where we are. Well, we're fortunate enough to live right on the edge of the plateau, and it's a very diverse piece of property, and we get to be surrounded by what we love, nature, yes. wildlife. That's awesome. And uh, I think we should say that Rod is her husband, and we appreciate Rod. Retired yes. from the military and a police officer, and we appreciate all his work and service. And Mamie, we appreciate you letting us come to your place today. My pleasure. This is Thanks awesome. for being here. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's get started with uh, a little bit of information on Tag Board and okay. what we've been seeing out there on Tag Board. Um, I'm going to pull up the slide here if uh, get a little assistance from our slide guy, Mr. Don King. Thank you. This is, uh, if you want to... Don's new, new to this technology. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to contribute to our Tag Board, it's real easy. You can go to uh, our website and click on... Uh, the slider, uh, slider banner at the top, and uh, here's an example of Mr. Keith Owenby. He sent in a um, a big striper he caught. Nice. I'm not sure where, but uh, it's a great photo. That's a great example cool. of how you can hashtag TN Wildlife, or this one's TN Trophy Room, and have it go up on our, our tag board. The other one, if you'll cut to that one, is an example of hashtagging TN Wildlife. This is just some wildlife that uh, Mr. Frank Martin seen out in the wild and it's a picture of a turtle it's a cool shot it shows the the bottom and the top and how the how it looks and that's really neat so just stuff like that being outdoors seeing the outdoors and and that kind of thing so thanks for us, doing that we love the good photography too yeah and mimi always is, is putting up great stuff like that also yeah she and she tags all the time i do yeah thank you for hashtagging you're she's one of our main contributors number one tagger <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's awesome all right, um, Doug, free fishing day is around the corner. It is. June 11th. So it's Memorial Day. Yeah, Memorial Day this weekend. So be safe out there on the on the water, wear that life jacket. Man, I won't get back to free fishing day, but Memorial Day, big weekend. It's a big weekend in the middle of Tennessee, east Tennessee, right here on the plateau because there's lakes everywhere, streams everywhere, and we hope everybody wears their life jacket, right? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay. Um, all right, let's get started. What do you say, um, Mimi? A little background, just a little bit. So where where, have you, where are you from originally? You haven't been with us long at the agency, but you've done a lot since you've been here. But where did where did you come from? Uh, my background's um, from Ohio. I worked with wildlife in Ohio and absolutely loved it, but definitely feel at home. Like I came home, my husband and I both feel like we came home when we came to Tennessee and definitely feel at home with uh, Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. Love the agency. Definitely my family love working here and enjoy it oh you're doing a great job and we thanks. love having you thanks we love having you um so anyway let's let's move on you you your background you said is a lot in nuisance wildlife you're, you're very familiar with that kind of stuff tell us about some of the problem calls or nuisance wildlife issues you're hearing about in region three and, and what's some of the stuff that we can do to help that uh this time of year we're getting a lot of phone calls about does behaving oddly in people's yard or uh, yards or there a doe might attack a dog is is what we're hearing and it's not that a doe is attacking a dog it's typically that they're protecting a fawn so they leave those fawns curled up uh, in tree lines right in a flower bed sometimes and people don't realize that's the 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 
the defense of that young animal and uh, the doe will stay away. She'll only go check on that fawn to feed it a few times a day. And um, people find that fawn and firstly, they think it's orphaned. It's not. Leave it alone and let the mother come back and do her job. And secondly, if the doe's behaving oddly, it's because that fawn's in the area and just keep your dogs and kids away. Um, if she's bothered enough, she'll move that fawn during the night uh, or in, at a time that she feels safe. So that's one of the calls we're getting right now. Um, we'll start getting calls about um, people's chicken coops or chickens being raided by fox or coyote or even a bobcat. Um, we're not going to change the behavior of the animal. We're going to change the behavior of people. And that's our whole goal, to understand that wildlife's going to behave the way it does. But we can have a role in how we protect our livestock and how we protect our, our um, houses. One of the one of the uh, things that I was talking to you earlier, you'd mentioned to me that uh, killing coyotes is not always the solution. You know, coyote issues that we may be having. And can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I could talk for days on coyotes. <laughs> it's, I'd say that's one of our, our biggest calls. Uh, people see a coyote and they're very fearful. So before I touch on that, um, the killing uh, coyotes part, I'll just say that um, if you have a coyote behaving properly uh, on your property, so it's not causing any livestock damage, it's not going after a small pet, you just see it from time to time, I suggest leave that coyote because they're a territorial animal um, they're going to protect that territory from from a transient coyote or one looking for new coyote. And those are more aggressive coyotes. They're, those are the ones that are going to cause damage. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have coyotes that aren't doing damage, leave them be, let them protect their territory, um, and then haze them, scare them in any way you can, get them moving in an opposite direction of you. They're going to teach their young how to behave. Uh, a lot of times people just want to remove that animal. Mm -hmm. Coyotes have a biological response. A lot of animals do that if habitat is open, they'll actually increase their litter sizes. Um, if there's open habitat, that means there's more food and they can increase their litter sizes. So you can actually increase the number of coyotes on your property, um, which is contrary to what, what seems feasible. But, but when killing a coyote, that tends to be what happens. I'd always heard that, but I wasn't, you know. It's, I guess that was kind of the rumor, but that's so that's true. Um, but but I'm I'm also for taking out a problem coyote. Obviously, if one is doing damage, you're going to remove that coyote from the landscape with an understanding that another one will move back in pretty quickly. Right. So. And, and we ought to mention what are if you did want to take out a coyote, what's the legal way of taking out a coyote? I'd be glad to address it, but I didn't oh, know yeah, if you yeah, wanted no, to no, or not. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Uh, okay. Well, a lot of folks want to know, can they poison them? The answer is always no. no. Can they hunt them at night with guns? No. no. You can trap them, uh, and they're open year-round, but you can hunt them during the day with firearms. But the nighttime stuff with firearms and the poisoning is always no, okay? And I love the tip on leaving that animal alone if it's not bothering anything, because it's exactly right, Mimi. You're going to get one that comes in that creates trouble. Yes. And uh, so... Just keep an eye on that and see. And, and, and even these days, coyotes, um, I don't know how much they get into livestock. I know they cause some problems. But I, I always, being from the city, think they're more troubling to your small critters than they are to anything. Yeah, they um, – well, there's a couple of things I want to address. There's – they're not um, – they don't want to eat dogs or cats. But what they do is they mark their boundaries kind of with keep-out signs, and they don't understand why domestic dogs and cats cross those boundaries. So for them, it's about – protecting territory and it's also about uh, protecting their food source and and they're young um, they're an animal that truly does mate for life and they teach their offspring so um, 
knocking back that one problem coyote is a good idea but with the recognition that the habitat the area that it lives in once attracted a coyote it's going to attract another coyote okay all right good deal good info you know there's one more thing i'll mention and that's um most people think that you can hunt coyotes year-round because they're a nuisance animal and there's truth in that but the truth really lies in that they're so good at reproducing that we're not really worried about knocking back that animal to a point that that it would become extinct from the landscape. Yeah, hard. It's my understanding. It's hard to do with a coyote, right? I mean, almost impossible to do with coyotes. People bring up the old bounty stuff every now and yes. then, and the, the bounty stuff. Leave it alone. It's 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 a dead thing here, at least certainly with coyotes. Yeah. So yeah. it's not an issue that's going to help them. Right. Jason. Sorry. Yeah. Sure. Um, uh, some another note I had here was rabbits and groundhogs is nuisance. What what's some of the issues with rabbits and groundhogs and that sort of thing? Well, this time of year we'll start getting calls about these nuisance wildlife in gardens, and people want to relocate animals. Uh, they want to know with black bear, with any animal that they consider a nuisance animal, they want to relocate it. And there's a, a primary reason that relocation isn't good is that we don't know, we don't have the money or funds. Um, um, the resources to test every animal genetically or for disease. So if you move an animal, recognize that it might, it, the reason it's illegal is it might be diseased and then you're re, you're relocating it and maybe moving that disease to an area where it didn't previously exist. So those laws are in effect there to protect wildlife and that's our goal, you know. Um, but when, when you do have a, a nuisance animal, I always tell people, recognize that if you don't change the habitat if you don't change or protect your garden in some way and you remove that animal another one will quickly take its place Mm -hmm. just like with coyotes the same with rabbits or groundhogs Um, but if you do uh, with small game then you are free to remove that animal from your property as far as um, if you want to handle that issue yourself or of course we have a list of um, resources on our website tnwildlife.org that folks can can visit Awesome. There's a lot of resources there. Let's move on to wildlife proofing. Um, just general, some general information on on uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. So if you have an av- uh, uh, if you're a beekeeper, um, if you have a garden, you know, there's always types of fencing and electric fencing. Um, I talk about permanent changes versus maybe some temporary things that folks can do. Temporary scare devices might be something like the scarecrow motion activated sprinkler. It hooks to a garden hose. It sends out a jet of water when it detects motion. It does a great job. Obviously, that's not a long-term solution. Animals learn to skirt around those solutions pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um so a long-term solution might be to invest in something like fencing, uh, electric wire, um, to look at the area that you've placed something and maybe moving it, um, some, some long-term solutions. So if groundhogs are getting underneath a shed, then you want to look at hardware cloth that goes down into the ground that doesn't allow them to actually dig under your shed anymore, an exclusion versus just trying to relocate or kill that animal. Because, again, another one will take its place. Has there ever been a, a liquid created yet that's actually? <laughs> foolproof i mean something you can pour out <laughs> you know you see all those products and um and they do work um they do work temporarily um it's just that you have to reapply 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 okay. um you'll see that some folks might use fox urine or, or a predator urine um that'll work for a day but if um if a rabbit never actually sees the fox or coyote um or the or, or bobcat 
they're going to start. It just becomes a bad smell. Yes. <laughs> it just becomes background noise for them. So okay. All right. Well, I've just never. I know they are out there all the time, and I'm seeing them for deer and everything else here recently, and don't want to hurt anybody's feelings out there. But I think the fence stuff is better if you're willing yeah. to put that kind of effort into it. For sure. Yeah, I think the the long term solution solution versus just wanting to remove yeah. the animal. Um, we have a lot of people call in and they want a depredation permit for something like a fox. Um, you know, and there are times and places for that, and we don't want to discourage discourage that when it's the right solution. But we also want to look at the right solution, and sometimes that's just changing what we're doing. Okay. I, I was going to mention, you know, um, back to the chickens. I've got chickens, and and I've just got some simple dog panels that I've, you know, fenced them in with those. And I've, I've had to put a little cloth or, or chicken wire around the door and stuff, but I've never had any issues with, with, um, That's great. with stuff messing with the chickens. But anyway, you know, you've got chickens, I think, you know, on the way, on the way. they're here, but you've been working on proofing your coop and that sort yes. of thing. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing on yours to, we actually did put hardware cloth down into the bottom. The previous owners uh, left their beautiful chicken coop for us, and we rebuilt the yard. But they showed us the claw marks where the red fox found the only area that wasn't electrified hmm. and actually got in and killed all their chickens. Um, so we know we're surrounded. We have um, um, trail cams out. We have coyote, red fox, gray fox. I'm just as concerned with the free-ranging dogs in, in the area that we live hmm. in um, as with any of the wildlife. So our goal was to protect our chickens long term and um, and know that we always want chickens those animals aren't going anywhere so we have hardware cloth actually buried down into the ground um, it will be electrified we're on the way my husband's great with all that stuff so uh, we're electrifying the outside um, and just basically getting rid of any little holes that something might might try and come into even snakes you know snakes mm -hmm. black snakes get in and and eat the eggs um if they can't get a chicken which they wouldn't eat a whole chicken but a young a young chicken they would um but we want to protect our eggs too and i've been lucky too i hadn't seen a snake so i That's must be great. doing something right i don't know <laughs> anyway uh, yeah, usually you don't see fish when we go fishing or turkey, oh, you go turkey hunting, so what's the big deal with back that back or down doug <laughs> I think I caught more bluegill. Hey, there's a nice bluegill video out on the web. There is a so nice check it out. There's a nice bluegill video. Just because I showed him where to fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. With uh, the fish finder. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, anyway, uh, some more. I still stay on proofing. Uh, you know, there's bears in your region. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that's moving moving toward middle tennessee a little more and talk a little bit about the bear issues maybe and some bear proofing you know um, first and foremost we want people to know how to behave around bear so if you should happen to stumble across a bear we always say look big let the bear know you're there give it a chance to go in an opposite direction um, but obviously bear are moving through people's yards and if they find shelter water and food that place to raise their young they don't have any reason to move on and that's for all wildlife they're yeah. all looking for those things and just intervene a little bit here bears aren't all over Tennessee, but we are on the plateau yes. doing this show, and, and there are bears on the plateau, Big South Fork and other places, maybe yep. you can tell us about, and then east of here, mostly correct, yes. toward East Tennessee. Yes, yeah, so we have bear uh, moving through the Cumberland, uh, through Cumberland County, Bledsoe County, um, you know, in areas that, that we historically didn't have calls, so bear are really moving through, and what we're finding is that um, 
people who feed birds year-round or unknowingly have these attractants in their yard. And some of those attractants are things such as um, grills. They're feeding their dogs or cats outside and they're not removing those pet food bowls. Um, or they don't have bear-proof containers for their trash can and they're just leaving their trash outside. Once that bear finds that easy meal, they don't forget. Yeah. Um, and that immediately cre- creates a more dangerous situation. You and our coordinator over in East Tennessee, Matt Cameron, I, I suppose y'all talk a lot about bears yes. and the issues and how to handle the PR problems sometimes you get with them. Yep. Our uh, First and foremost, our goal is to educate people on how to behave and what they might, how they might unknowingly be attracting bears and, and to get those situations resolved. Again, the wild animal isn't going to change its its ways yeah. we have to as humans and that means maybe we don't get to feed ba- uh, feed birds in, in the summertime mm. but again we're going to keep that wild animal safe um, you know pr- preserve the longevity of that species in the area um, people always want to know why can't we relocate this bear and and our thoughts on that are when it becomes a nuisance in a dangerous situation where can we move that bear to it's really unfair to another human community to move what is possibly a dangerous bear. Um, Our last resort and a sad day for people who love wildlife is to have to put down an animal that's healthy um, just because of human behavior, Mm -hmm. not because of anything the bear's doing. But when we reach that dangerous situation and bears become habituated to human food, there's not- There's no choice. There's no choice. Yeah, the choice has to be made to put it down. Okay, Yeah. good deal. All right, we're doing good. Let's move on. We're going to run out of time for too long. I want to hit all these topics if we can. Uh, attractants is something else that you, you talked about earlier or, or know a lot about, intentional and non-intentional attractants. So uh, I mentioned some of those uh, greasy grills. Oh, my gosh, that just attracts everything. But it could be something as small as a hummingbird feeder. Uh, any source of calories that's easy work for an animal, they're going to be attracted to. So sometimes we put these um, bird uh, uh, bird feeders or or uh, bird baths in our yard. We have those little water sources, mm-hmm. and I call them drive-through fast food drive-throughs for wildlife. If it's an easy food source, then they're going to come back time and time again. So that that's an unintentional way that we're attracting wildlife. Believe it or not, there are people who intentionally attract wildlife um, bigger than birds and, and butterflies and hummingbirds, um, but they're actually purposefully putting out bread or or something to attract those animals Mm -hmm. um, out of a fear that they're suffering in some way and um, wildlife's pretty resilient they've it's worked for nature's worked for them for all these years it's going to keep working for them and you got to be careful too i mean leaving your trash out stuff too Uh, we were talking about yesterday and and the bear issues around Mm -hmm. gatlinburg and stuff and people leaving their trash out and you know so that's one another thing just put that trash up um Put it out the morning of. Put it out as close to the time the trash man comes as you can. Right. Uh, we've talked about chicken coops. Let's move on to snakes. You, you, uh. One of your favorites? <laughs> you know, uh, I like seeing snakes first. And when I do, I'm fascinated by them. Um, we have a lot of copperheads around our house. And there are a lot of poisonous snakes uh, or copperheads and rattlesnakes around. But um, I just hope that people remember it's actually illegal to kill snakes uh, unless there's imminent danger and you're definitely allowed to protect yourself and your livestock and your pets but uh, make sure it's a poisonous snake take the time before you remove that snake because they're actually a beneficial creature yeah um, they're going to help us out more than they're going to hurt us All right 
I think part two always, I've told people on the snake issue, and we, the agency's not going to come out and get you because there's a rattlesnake on your deck. But we, the agency doesn't want you going way out there somewhere looking for rattlesnakes to kill That's exactly or, right. or copperheads to kill. It, it's not hunting seasons placed on them. It's just a common sense law. And uh, at least in the Nashville area, most of the snakes, 99. Well, all of them I've ever seen in my area were non-poids. They were king and rad. And out here is a little different. But in the city, you usually don't see a, a poisonous snake. Yeah, most and, of the time. and if you're unsure, you could always take a photo and send it to us. We have folks do that yeah. often, um, and and we try and be really quick in responding to those. I have noticed through the years, Mimi, that it's if I don't know where the age is now, but at one time it was if they were if you were under thirty, there was a chance they were going to listen to our advice on snakes, and if you were over the thirty. They don't care what we say. They're going to kill them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I used to see it. Maybe it's different now. I, I hope. hope so. Yeah. I know I you're so. trying. Yeah. We have been trying for a long time. I know you say you enjoy getting those calls. Whenever you're in the office, you're you're willing to help those people out. So Yeah, usually um, there's someone in the office that's willing to talk, and uh, the ladies that work our front desk, they're overwhelmingly knowledgeable. They have a lot of years with the agency, overwhelmingly knowledgeable and trying to help. Um, we all try and, and help people as much as we can. And, and again, the, the website has a lot of resources right. on it. Mm-hmm. All right, we got about 10 more minutes, and, and we want to touch on one more thing, plus what's happening in your region. Uh, but uh, what's the opportunities for watchable wildlife here in Region 3? Oh, my area? goodness. Um, so, so many of the wildlife management areas are, are beautiful places for watchable wildlife. I always tell people Bridgestone, Firestone, if, they're, um, if they've never heard a quail sing, you know, with the changes in habitat, our quail populations have, have changed um, because it's really grown up from that grasslands to forestlands. But um, um, Bridgestone, Firestone, WMA, if you want to hear a Bob White quail sing, just go out and sit it's just a beautiful place uh you know you see a lot of restorative effort there with um um uh, warm season grasses and and um, shortleaf pine mm-hmm. so that's a great place any place along the Hiawassee and Hiawassee refuge you talk about diversity of birds of course you all know about the sand hill crane festival uh, every martin luther king jr weekend but um it's a great place for for waterfowl and diversity yep so that's awesome yeah um do you want to mention how how they can watchable wildlife folks can help contribute to? Yeah, so you know most agency? of our funding comes from the great hunters and anglers that we have in the state, and we we love them, we are them, and we're appreciative of of. Uh, everybody that contributes if if you're not a hunter or angler and you want to help contribute if you're a bird watcher or or just watchable wildlife person um, definitely uh, a lot of different ways but if they go online they could buy a license plate from um, just donating Um, there's a place online that they can actually donate and we really appreciate people wanting to support wildlife yep it's real easy uh so let's Doug had some and said some questions on on fishing in Region Three and just different opportunities for people in Region Three. So Doug, and Mimi told me that y'all told her that I probably just brought my fishing rod with me. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's why that's why you got lost. You were finding that fishing hole instead of trying to find where we were. We were. I did find a nice a lot of nice ponds down the road. It takes a while to knock on doors. Anyway, Mimi, this is a great place to. I, I did live on the plateau a long, long time ago for a few months and got a chance to fish some of the places over here. But your your region starts somewhere around the Caney Fork River, which a lot of Middle Tennesseans are familiar with, and yeah. then comes on over to somewhere on the other side of Crossville, I guess, and down south and north. But there's a lot of water here. What what are some of the waters 
water bodies they can go. And we've talked to Mike Jolly on the show. And we know oh, about yeah. Chickamauga and yeah. Nickajack and all that. But what are some of the smaller trout-style waters or rivers they can fish? Yeah, you know, the first thing I'll bring up is brown trout fishing at the Hiawassee um, tailwaters. So upstream of Reliance and Big Bend. Um, great brown trout if you're a trout fisherman. Um, great brown trout in that area. Everybody knows about the Collins River muskie. And that's oh, becoming love it. Collins River. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's famous be- now. Yeah. yeah, it's becoming a great destination for folks. And that's just fantastic and fun for us. Um, a couple that folks forget about, though, is Spring Creek up in Overton County and uh, the Blackburn Fork for smallmouth and, and rock bass, both uh, both of those. I've not been in those. What was that last one? <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> um, Blackburn Fork, you know, okay. um, it, that's just a, a one that is becoming more and more popular. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful area. have to try that. that. We may have to go shoot yeah. each other. Jesse. Can you send us a pen, drop pen for that one <laughs> so we can find that one? Daddy's you know, cr- it's on the website. I keep mentioning the website, but it is. If you if you go to that maps feature, um, it it has a, all the places that you can fish throughout Tennessee. It's I, I know the trout trucks roll through here a lot too. They you guys do. do a great job rolling through here, and there's a lot of trout waters here. And also, I remember Daddy's Creek at one time being a really good piece of water to fish. Yeah. It had a lot of smallmouth and even muskie at one time a long time ago. Is that still so? Or? Yeah, I believe so. I believe okay. so. It's just great fishing. Daddy's okay. Creek area is a beautiful area. All right, and Catoosa, you want to mention it as far as just just uh, outdoors period yes um I, beautiful beautiful and i can say everybody on the wmas that works on our wmas right now is just planting those dove fields you know uh, sunflowers sorghum millets going in a lot of lot of hard work goes on um, to help hopefully make our our anglers and hunters successful got a lot of wildlife management over there katusa being one of the biggest in the state it's a great place for deer hunting and and for small game hunting and still are there's is it one of the areas where we still have some hog hunting, or is I know that's been an issue over here at one point. It is. So there, there's a, a time um, that that it's open to hog hunters. One of the so. very few places left in, in the yes. state, right? Yes. Okay, because most of the time we're trying to get rid of them. But it is. A it's a tradition here. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I, I often try and remind people, if, you're, if you love deer, if you love turkey, if you love the great outdoors, and recognize that nuisance hogs uh, really devastate the landscape and they're hurting the habitat for the animals that we so dearly love um, and enjoy hunting yeah so so for us to knock back those populations means something because we want the longevity of all those other species okay and i, I know too you also have even though it's a state park I, I love going there and it's got a nice lake of fall creek falls comes oh, to yeah. mind and, and you get what over picket state park and- yep um and grundy lake so a lot of people forget about fishing but but we work with a lot of the state parks in stocking so uh sunfish the shell cr- crackers and red eye right now at Grundy Lakes and Fall Creek Falls. That's great fishing. I would love to go. Never been to Grundy Lakes either. I would love to experience that. And I think Cumberland Mountain State Park even at one time got trout. Do they still get? Uh, you know, I'm unsure if okay. they do, but um, but we're not far from there right now. We've actually fished that area for, for bluegill, and, you know, great brim fishing. Okay. All right. What else yeah. would you, if you were telling folks to come over here, any other ideas or places? You know, I, I just remind people that we're stocking Florida. The fisheries crews are stocking Florida largemouth bass right now. You know, give them time to grow up, folks. It's going to be, it's going to be <laughs> six or so years. Now. It's true. Yeah. Um, Watts Bar, Chickamauga, and Nickajack. You know, those places, uh, you know, Chickamauga is just draw, drawing people from around uh, the nation and around the world at this point. But it's so exciting to see what's taking place because of the hard work of our fishery staff. Yeah. They do. They work hard across the state, baby. And I want to say that if folks are into Facebook, and you ought to be because it's a great social media format, nobody in our agency does more work to make Facebook look good than Mimi does. Oh, yeah, She's thanks, all over thanks. the place. And not just 
just hunting and fishing. She does the wildlife viewing, watching. If it's outdoors, she recognizes that there's people that enjoy it, and you do it all somehow. Thanks. Thanks. I love that you, know, you show what the agency's doing. I mean, what these guys on the WMAs are doing. It's not just about hunting and fishing. It's about <laughs> managing wildlife you and know, managing I get, habitat. I get so excited because they're so uh, varied in their skills. They, uh, they're welders. They're um, mm. plumbers. They're electricians. And, um, you know, we really try and treat money from our hunters and anglers as respectfully as we can mm-hmm. and they save so much cost in doing the, a lot of the work in-house yep. um, so I, I appreciate showing off the the great skills that our ah. our men and women have i believe the technicians and the managers i think they pay for their themselves in the first couple of months out of a year yeah. uh, because after that they they save the agency tons of money rebuilding sheds and fixing tractors and everything yeah. that they do that's amazing plumbing everything so Anyway, I appreciate everything that you let us do coming over here. I know we're going to run out of time in a minute or two. And you let's, got... let's hit that free fishing day. You have yeah. a great free fishing day spot here in Spring City in oh Rio Region. Oh, my gosh. That's a huge event in Spring City. And uh, the the fishery staff that works that um, from stocking fish, uh, getting everything ready for the kids, to asking for donations for prizes for the kids, they put some feet to the pavement to get the work done, and they just do an incredible job. I love being part of that day. Um, hundreds of people show up for that one. Um, Fall Creek Falls free, free Fishing Day is another big one. There's there's a lot that take place, and folks can find that complete list um, on our website. Yeah, June 11th. Don't forget the day. Yep, it is 11th. June 11th all across the state, not just on the plateau, East Tennessee, West Tennessee, Middle Tennessee. Look at the top of our website. It's got an outdoors calendar on it, top of the website, and there are maybe 100 things listed so far. It goes on and on and on. <laughs> And on. And Jason really did catch more bluegill than me, but don't tell him I said that. <laughs> well, like... thanks, thanks for sharing your bait. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Mimi, thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, it's, it's been a great show, Mimi. Appreciate you letting thanks. us come out in your domain out here and, and, and hosting us, and it's been great. Uh, don't forget to watch us on TWRA.tv or on YouTube. Uh, go to TNWildcast.com or TNWildcast.org, anywhere you can listen, watch, and and be a part of the show every week. And the shows are out there all the time. Thank you, Don King, for helping us. You did all the tech work here today. And thank you, Rod, for letting us share your home with your wife. Yep. And your dogs. Yep.